Hello. Thanks for joining us for this episode of New Books in Philosophy. I'm Robert Talese. I'm professor of philosophy at Vanderbilt University. I co-host the program with Carrie Figder. She's associate professor of philosophy at the University of Iowa. My guest today is Gloria Oregi. Gloria is senior researcher at the National Center for Scientific Research in Paris. Her work focuses broadly on interpersonal relations and the ways in which they are mediated by various social phenomena. Her previous books have been about trust and the Internet. Her latest book is titled Reputation, What It Is and Why It Matters. It's published with Princeton University Press. Now, we all put a great deal of care into protecting our reputation, but the precise nature of a reputation remains obscure. In one sense, reputation is mere hearsay, a popular perception that may or may not have any basis in fact. Yet we often rely heavily on reputations, for example, when we're choosing a restaurant, a mechanic, or even a physician. And obviously, multiple sites on social media are devoted to helping us discover the reputation of various kinds of service providers. Still, we all know that reputations are manipulable and often are manipulated and manufactured. So one wonders if it's rational to care so much about reputation. Now, as the title of the book suggests, Gloria explores a wide range of philosophical questions about reputations, bringing together the tools of philosophical analysis uh, with work in sociology and psychology. Origy presents a complex picture of what reputations are, how they spread, when they're reliable, and how we can know. There's a lot to talk about, as usual, but also as usual, let's start by greeting our guest. Hello, Gloria. Hello. How are you today? Very well, and uh, thank you for having me. Oh, uh, sure. It's okay. a pleasure. Um, can you start us off, perhaps, as we normally do, by telling us a little bit about yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sort of a philosopher with a very bad reputation, in a sense. I, <laughs> I'm an Italian who came to France uh, to study analytical philosophy. So it's a, sort of, I'm a sort of a strange, weird uh, philosophical subject or object uh, with a lot of uh, um, different uh, 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 sort, of, sort of mixture of, uh, of, uh, of things. And uh, so I, I moved to France uh, almost 20 years ago and uh, but I, my first book was on 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 quine on uh, so on uh, american epistemology and uh, and actually i i think that an important um, sort of a, uh, a key moment of my of my intellectual career was uh, the um, the coming of internet and the and the uh, and the, so the late 90s and the beginning of the 2000s in which I was a young researcher and uh, I I started to be interested in how this new uh, ways of uh, of uh, of uh, spreading uh, information in order would impact our way of uh, of uh, uh, legitimizing our uh, knowledge procedures and changing our way of of seeing what knowledge what knowledge is so i became involved very very early with uh, what was uh, at those times a sort of wild area of internet studies but it didn't exist uh, at those times, and also philosophers were quite uh, um, 
uninterested uh, at those times to the subject, and now it is becoming a sort of hot subject. And uh, my my intuition uh, was that uh, something big was <laughs> was happening, not only for for all of us, for our social relations, for our economical uh, relations, for our way of living, but also for, for our epistemology and for the way in which we uh, we conceive and we uh, manage. Uh, um, uh, we conceive knowledge, what is knowledge, and we manage our epistemic, uh, epistemic states. What was paradoxical and which is still the case, and it's really something that motivates uh, profoundly my research is uh, that in this uh, sort of era of uh, deep knowledge or like a, in a society which is saturated by, by information and knowledge, we uh, seem to, we need uh, the more and more to rely on other people in order to extract any valuable information uh, about the world and about the the, 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 the the physical world, the social world and what is around us. So that was a little bit paradoxical, but the knowledge, as knowledge grows, we become more dependent on other people instead of becoming more autonomous as as as, as knowers, and uh, that is something that um, brought me at a certain point to be interested in in trust, especially from an epistemological point of view. What does it mean to trust in others in order to acquire inf- acquire reliable information about the world? Is it ever legitimate to to do this? Can can we be can we ever be justified to Trust others in order to 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 get uh, some some information and some valuable information that is some knowledge from the external world. So that was my my way to my my present interest in trust and in reputation. Reputation was part of the picture in a sense. And at those times when I started to 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 work on it, it was a a word and a concept which was really out of the philosophical picture. And uh, but my idea was well, people need uh, reputational tags, reputational labels, in order to orient themselves in this deep sea of uh, of knowledge and information that we have to face. We are in informational dense societies. Uh, we we uh, are um, involved in. Uh, um, um, epistemically oriented or cognitively uh, charged activities most of our times, I mean, and most of, most of, our, of, of, of our time. And so, in a sense, we need tools for, in order to orient our, uh, our searches, our way of filtering information, of filtering uh, too many voices that are uh, around us. And that was a uh, that the intuition that I had in the mid uh, 2000, I mean, around 2005, I wrote this book on tra- my first book on trust and what what was the meaning of trust, for example, in experts and, and uh, uh, what was the change, what what could have been the changes in our trust 
thing or uh, practices in a society in which so much information is exchanged and it was in the mid 2000s and then this brought me really to this interest in reputation that is all this second order information that we need in order to treat, to parse and to evaluate the first order information that is becoming too abundant in a sense in our in our society. So right. that so, was that was the, the, the let's say the bio uh, the autobiographical uh, path that brought me to this interest. Oh, excellent! So let me ask you a, a, a question about um, uh, about how the, the concept of reputation. Before we get into the details of your analysis of reputation, sure. how the concept of reputation fits into this broader. Um, uh, insight that you had uh, uh, that is now might sound like a commonplace, but at the time you had it, it was not common. Uh, which is that the 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 communications technology, including the internet, makes us um, uh, um, uh, it, it, it surrounds us with uh, with information that we couldn't have uh, would have had a hard time accessing before uh, the internet. Uh, and but that in turn makes us more dependent. Um, does um, is reputation uh, uh, sort of does the importance of reputation become uh, enhanced in light of that um, uh, expanded uh, uh, degree of um, of social dependence or, inter, or interpersonal dependence? Uh, paradoxically, yes. I mean, reputation seems a, a sort of old-fashioned word that uh, reminds uh, uh, other. Uh, ages mm -hmm. uh, in which we all have uh, we all had a, I mean rep a reputation or a family reputation or honor it seems to belong to a, um, a bunch of concepts that are a little bit old fashioned whereas it has become so prominent in these uh, years because of the density of our informational society and I am deeply convinced about that. What does it mean this? I mean I have I start in in, in my analysis and in my research, I have started with a sort of epistemological concept of reputation. That is uh, reputation is uh, um, the social track that all of our uh, actions and uh, um, sentences and what we write, what we do, what we think and what we see leads around us. And so it's a track that then it is judged and evaluated by other people and uh, it creates a um, uh, um, second order layer that um, makes us um, able to orient ourselves in the uh, in the sort of deep and thick uh, world of objects and things and ideas and uh, and uh, and text etc uh, etc. Et so in a sense, it's a um, reputation is a. Um, is a social notion, so it comes from social science, and it, uh, um, uh, um, what I find paradoxical, and maybe this is uh, just a reflex of a, of a philosopher, I mean, is that uh, usually the forms, uh, the in progress in knowledge, at least in our um, Western tradition of thought, goes with more autonomy. I mean, we are, the, the more we progress in our capacity of uh, reasoning and uh, acquiring uh, knowledge from the world, the more we are autonomous. We 
find ourselves today in a very different landscape in which we, um, the more we know, the more we are dependent on each other. And so we have to develop new tools for for knowledge. And that was the, the aim of my research was just, well, so we need the judgments about the people. We need the evaluations about the people in order to um, to come to know. And how can we be a little bit more um, systematic in or uh, rational in uh, evaluating this sort of second order, the, the reputations that 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 uh, uh, knowledge and information has. Uh, in order to 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 use it in a in a way that it is productive and it, that in the end improves collective cognitive knowledge. So that was the the idea. I mean that was that is the paradox, and that is also the fa- the, the the reason why probably at the beginning the idea was a little bit. Uh, like an oxymoron, I mean, as a contradictory. I mean, I remember I wrote in 2004 an article, a paper which was uh, entitled like Epistemic Trust or Is Trust an Epistemological Notion, something like putting together epistemology and trust. And at those times, that really seemed completely paradoxical. I mean, how can you put together trust, which is a sort of social science notion based on social relations, etc., and epistemology, which is the domain of uh, autonomy and uh, cognition and uh, individual cognition, uh, etc. So and the, S knows that P. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. and, to, and if you want today, this is a mainstream notion. You have classes and you have courses and syllabus on epistemic trust and the epistemology of trust. There are books and tons of books on this, uh, etc. So it has become uh, clearly mainstream because we all know that the way in which uh, um, let's say uh, knowledge is structured uh, is such as that we really have we really must trust other people in order to know something so reputation was in the same vein uh, a notion that was uh, a little bit uh, provocative at those times to put to get to 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 to, to put next to uh, other epistemological notions and then uh, i've tried to Transform it into a more sort of a, uh, um, yes, I mean a, a more ac- acceptable mm-hmm. notion in philosophy. Well, I wonderful. Think. So let's let's talk a little bit um, about the sort of central conception of uh, reputation that, um, that that you lay out at the beginning of the book and then follow through. So. Um, you describe reputation as a as a kind of social ego. A uh, uh, um, it involves the conception of um, seeing how others see us. Um, so it's not merely just what others say about us. Reputation involves the the first personal sort of seeing. Uh, you know, g- given given what is said about us, seeing what um, uh, what others see when they look at us. Uh, could you explain yeah. this, this, this way of understanding reputation? Actually, as uh, in uh, uh, all classical works in philosophy, actually, I'm a very eclectic philosophy, philosopher. I use a lot of social science, a lot of literature, a lot of reference that come from all, I would say, all the social sciences at least, and not only. But uh, I'm, I consider myself quite a 
very classical in a, mm-hmm. in a very very traditional in some in 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 some ways. So every sort of reasonable epistemology starts with a reasonable psychology. I mean, a, a theory of the subject, the, mm-hmm. the, the the knowing subject. So I, you're right. I mean, I start the, the book with a, a, a new subject. I mean, and, and, uh, that is the protagonist of my book, which mm-hmm. is the social ego instead of the uh, of the classical ego or true self. And actually, the main I think the main metaphysical thesis of the book is that the difference between the true self and the social self is uh, bogus. I mean, we cannot really make this distinction in a in a systematic and in a sort of clear-cut way. Okay. So who is the protagonist of my book is our social ego, this ego that has already in, um, interiorized the judgment of others in order to structure itself. And uh, it is uh, uh, also the protagonist of many of our actions that are Actions sometimes that are uh, difficult to explain, in, in explain, sorry, in mainly, uh, m- merely in, in terms of um, maximization of, of uh, our subjective interest. We defend something that goes beyond our uh, the interest of our uh, self, the, and uh, we defend the interest of our social ego, that is the social image that uh, it is uh, uh, around, that, that define us and also that tr- structure us. So I start with this subject, which is a rich, enriched subject, sort of empowered, enriched, a sort of subject 2.0. Now we would, you would say a subject 4.0. I don't know at which <laughs> number we are in terms of uh, up, upgraded subjects, but I mean, mm, and this subject is a reputational subject. What does it mean? It means that basically we, uh, each time we act, each time we talk, as we are speaking now, uh, me and you, between Paris and the United States, we leave a social track. This social track accumulates with other social tracks that we have left, like gravitational waves around the universe. Each time something happens, there is a gravitational wave that is produced. This is exactly the same with our reputation. Each time we act, we leave a social track. This social track, the, the, the sort of the, the cloud of all these social tracks that are around is our reputation. What, and, and so uh, this is a sort of avatar of ourselves that accompany us in our in our life, makes us uh, make some choice, and helps us in presenting ourselves, recognizing the others, and also, as uh, in the second part of the book, I try to 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 show also in making um, epistemic choices about about uh, the the environment, uh, the, 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 like choosing a. A product, choosing a, a doctor, choosing a wine, you were mentioning wine, and choosing a, a good or a bad idea. Right. So um, let me. So, if reputation then is this um, uh, image of ourselves that's sort of imposed uh, from outside on us uh, that we then internalize. Um, is it rational to care so much about these ascriptive uh, um, uh, 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 attributes or this, ascript, this ascribed image of ourselves? I mean, we put a lot of effort into managing our reputations. I um, think that, that is the tricky 
trickier, trickiest part of the book and the most original. I mean, you're saying if reputation is uh, uh, this part, the sort of so social opinion. I say something more in the book. I mean, reputation is not only the social opinion. It's really a uh, um, uh, cloud of representations of ourselves that we have contributed to create. We have contributed to create. So we are not completely passive. We don't just uh, have to passively accept the opinion of others or not. The opinion of others are created by us. But what is complex is that the way in which uh, um, we produce this representation of ourselves and the way in which the others read this representation of ourselves is not linear. I mean, it's not a linear relation, which is, if you want, in terms of really theoretically, one of the most, I think, interesting contribution of the book. I mean, reputation is defined basically in economics. This is the only, uh, there is a, a little bit also in some other fields of social science, but not so much. Uh, and in economics, is defined as really the opinion of, uh, of other people. Actually, it is a, bit, a little bit more. It is what we think it is the opinion of other people, and it is a little bit more complex as a as a, as a phenomenon. So I'm trying to, uh, to, to, to uh, clarify in my book what is this more complex logic of reputation. I mean, it's not only, uh, it's, it's, it's not only the opinion of others uh, uh, on what we do, it is the opinion of, of others mediated by our, our own actions and by so many other processes like the way in which uh, uh, some of our representation are uh, re recorded mm. in um, in the environment, in the informational environment, the, the, their perennity or they, um, uh, the fact that they are m more or less ephemeral. So all these effects distort our reputations and, uh, but are not completely random. I mean, there is a, in a sense, reputation seems something that is really uncontrollable. What I try to do in the book is just launch the idea that we just, we need a new philosophy for this. We need a new epistemology, a way of uh, being able to control this uh, second order information about ourselves that come from this, this social information, let's say, with the appropriate tools. Um, that's that's fascinating. Can I describe a um, describe a case for you and and um, uh, where reputation uh, is was appealed to at a conference I was at recently? Um, yeah. And so, um, uh, a, a, a co-author and collaborator and I were at a social epistemology conference not long ago, and um, part of uh, what we were arguing had to do with. Um, uh, the way political profiles uh, seem now to uh, sort of bleed over all of you know one's personal uh, identity or social identity, and that you know, sort of in the states, you know, being a supporter of um, President Trump now seems to be a signal of all kinds of other personal yeah. features that one might have. So in the course of the talk, um, 
uh, my co-author Scott Aiken, uh, pulled out of, uh, surprisingly pulled out of his, um, briefcase a Donald Trump Make America Great hat. And uh-huh. one of those red baseball caps and yeah. challenged people, somebody in the audience to put it on his head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And um, th- there were not very many takers. People were like, yeah. I don't want to hold I don't even want to hold the hat. Um, yeah. But uh, Michael Lynch, uh, the philosopher, agreed to put it on his head, but then refused to let anyone take a photo of him with it on his head. And he explicitly said, well, if someone takes a photo, they could post it on on Facebook that a, a picture of me wearing this hat and that will ruin my reputation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that is exactly what I'm trying to yes. deal with in my book. I mean, it's exactly this kind of examples. The, the logic of uh, of. Uh, what happens here is very complex and very sophisticated, and 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 we are at the beginning of uh, of uh, uh, dealing with this. I mean, there is no. I mean, I I discovered that uh, that was my book was the first pornography on the on the subject in the in the in the philosophy domain. I mean, right. because it's new. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's new in a sense. I mean, we are social being. We have this social ego that uh, is now. In many, in many interactions, the protagonist of, of uh, our life and the way in which we deal with the signals that we send is uh, complex and socially mediated. So uh, the case you are mentioning is a very interesting case in which uh, you have, a, 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 let's say, a stigma. I would say in yeah. this case, I mean, um, that is very precise, that is, is uh, sort of conventionalized in a hat, and uh, uh, you put it in, a, in, in circulation, I mean, you make it circulate. And so who's going to, uh, who's gonna, uh, for example, pay a price or uh, earn a, <laughs> a reputation because of, of, uh, of this signal that, uh, that uh, his, uh, his or her is sending, in this case, Michael Lynch. And, uh, and uh, so the logic, uh, the, the logic is uh, much more complex. You know, there is a, uh, there is a series of uh, speak checks that you can do with signals that is very difficult to disentangle in order to know what you're doing with. So in this case, uh, it was someone who was signaling. You can also just, for example, um, um, uh, 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 wear this hat as a, a counter signal or a signal that you're count against a certain position or, and, but you have, uh, you need a way to to signal, so you need a meta signal that says that you're signaling in this way. Right. So, for example, you can say a bullshit or say something that is a fake news, but you have also, you need a, a sort of meta signal that says that this is a bullshit or something. Right. You, so, you can be read at, a, at, a, at a, another level. So this is the kind of dynamics that interest me and that are complex. And I think that people don't have the means, really the epistemological means for the moment to deal with because it's, it's, a, it's, a new, uh, it's a new arena. Right. It's as if, the, it's as if there were, it was impossible to wear the Donald Trump hat in any way that was at all ironic or challenging. It was sort of like to wear the hat. There's no way to, to, we didn't have the signal to suggest that the hat was being worn as a way of 
reclaiming the message or resisting yeah. uh, uh, Trump. Um, very interesting. So maybe that maybe that is a, is a good way to introduce sort of you have a whole chapter. Um, it's the third chapter, I believe, uh, devoted to an, uh, looking at the, the questions concerning how reputations spread. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how you know some sometimes reputations you know go viral, uh, sometimes uh, they, they 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 flicker out. Uh, uh, how do how do reputations spread through the social environment? Oh, that's a it's a it's a complicated it's a very complex issue and a very fascinated one. We have so many. I mean, reputations are a, are a social phenomenon. Reputation is a social phenomenon, and it goes through, um, uh, through, uh, and it is spread through social dynamics that can be uh, more or less virtuous, more or less uh, uh, dangerous. Uh, it depends on which kind of social dynamics they are. Uh, they are in. So I talk in the, the, in the, in the chapter you're mentioning, I talk about uh, informational cascades, uh, I talk about uh, uh, phenomena like pluralistic ignorance, I talk about gossip and uh, the spread of rumors uh, and all the sort of social configurations that make reputation spread in, uh, and, and become more or less stable. Also, there are um, factors that make a reputation, makes a reputation um, transient or very stable. Uh, so maybe Michael Lynch doesn't need to be too anxious about wearing a, um, a Trump hat if this is a transient thing that uh, uh, maybe enters um, uh, a cascade. But... Uh, doesn't last so long, so you can you can deal with a let's say a bad reputation for a while if it doesn't last so long, etc. So there is a there is a social dynamic. Each time there is a social dynamic. Ideas are uh, uh, ideas need this sort of reputational uh, context in order to circulate. And the reputational context can be more or less virtuous, let's say, let more or less um, um, positive in a sense. I mean, it depends. Right. So do you have a view about sort of what factors make it? So sometimes reputations are seem impossible to shake. Once you get a reputation uh, uh, for being a certain kind of person, or maybe it, it, it's easier. You know, it's harder to shake a bad reputation than a good one, maybe. Um, uh, do you have a, a view about the, what's the difference between the transient sort of the kind of reputation that one can uh, one one can overcome and the kind of reputation that's, that, that one seems stuck with. That is very interesting and also it is very new because there are cases in which, and I analyze many different cases in the book, in which reputations stick and, and they stay with you and other cases in which they are incredibly transient and these cases are not, uh, don't go I mean, I, I have a sort of um, the way in which I treat about, uh, treat them in my book uh, it's is is not systematic. I mean, I don't I don't have a, a sort of overall theory. I would like to. I would like to. I would love to have a, <laughs> a, a sort of model of how these dynamics go and uh, and and that can that make 
could make me deal with all possible cases, but I don't, I still don't have it. I don't have it yet. Maybe I will have it in, a, in the future, but I mean, it's, it's, it's complex. And so I start, even in the book, I start with a lot of case studies and examples and uh, in which uh, you have a, uh, paradoxical, uh, for example, ways of dealing for, uh, with reputation. And I think, I mean, in, in the, in the cases I have analyzed, I, I would say also my work is in between, as we do it in France, I mean, in between philosophy and social sciences. I mm-hmm. do a lot of work also in social sciences and in empirical social sciences. So, um, and one of the best example of, uh, vagaries of reputation is, uh, for example, the reputation of doctors. Right. Uh, people, uh, have you ever noticed that everybody thinks that they have the best doctor in town? I mean, everybody <laughs> thinks that the, the doctor, and, and actually this is something that could be also, uh, um, uh, let's say, a, a possible fieldwork for social, social linguistics. I mean, just people, not only they say that they, each time they mention a doctor, uh, they um, reassure themselves by saying that he's a very good doctor or she's a very good doctor, which is completely absurd. I mean, we are in a very, when we deal with doctors, we are in a vulnerable situation. We have to trust a lot. And yet we, uh, we um, are more uh trustful than we should be i mean in a sense we 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 uh, raise our 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 threshold of of uh, of trust we we um we are willing to accept the let's say the good reputation of a, a doctor especially in the cases in which we are vulnerable whereas of course i mean in a sort of a, in a paradigm of autonomy that i would say that it is the paradigm of of um, of knowledge that we used to we deal with, I mean, a sort mm-hmm. of Kantian uh, paradigm in which knowledge goes with autonomy, it seems to be very, uh, very, very, very uh, counterintuitive that you give more credit uh, in situations in, we, in which you are more vulnerable. You should sort of uh, withdraw your credit and be more skeptical in a sense. Uh, so um, there are, uh, as I say in the book, and I try to, to also to, to um, describe in a, in a, in a more uh, uh, precise way, there are, uh, there are heuristics of reputation that are uh, very flawed. I mean, like, for example, the more you're vulnerable, the more you, uh, you, you, you give credit to the reputations of people and other contexts in which uh, reputation can be, uh, less, uh, less robust and, uh, and, uh, and be, uh, challenged, uh, much, uh, uh, more uh, easily. But I mean, in a world in which we are all exposed all the time to this sort of second order information, evaluated information, even about the doctor, what I do I know about my doctor? I mean, the fact that uh, she's a good doctor, that uh, a friend goes uh, to the same doctor, that uh, she has uh, a good address. I mean, stupid things like that. I mean, we, we don't, we don't have uh, so many uh, objective uh, um, sort of measures of the uh, relation with between her reputation and her 
let's say, real value, we, uh, there is an heuristics that tends to uh, make uh, rep the reputation more robust, whereas it should be probably the opposite. Right, right. So you, you discuss this in various sections of the book. Sort of the, the, yeah. the general problem then is um, what can we do since we don't have access to, in, the, in your, the case of your doctor, we don't have access to, you know, statistics about medical schools and various kinds of yeah. – like how do we evaluate the reliability of reputations? I mean – uh, many times we just uh, don't evaluate them. We, right. we evaluate what we, what we accept is the evaluation of other people. And that is also another mechanism that I try to, to, to describe in my, in describing my book. I mean, many times we just don't uh, take the time and don't have the means to evaluate. There are domains in which uh, these means are the more and more, um, um, available to to the general public, for example, uh, I can go back to, to to wine at a certain point if you want. But for example, on on on, uh, on wine, you have reputations that are um, quite arbitrary sometimes, and also now you have tools, even apps on your computer or your, on your uh, phone in which you can check what other people have already said and uh, so making a sort of a data crunching and putting together other people's judgments, you can judge. But I mean, for example, for doctors, you don't have this. You just don't have it. You can have, you have very scattered information around. Another another um, domain which is very interesting and was studied, studied in France uh, by um, sociologist of economy that I um, cite a lot in my book, whose name is Lucien Carpic, is lawyers. Lawyers, you really don't have a ranking of lawyers. Mm -hmm. you, you don't, you, uh, at least in France, you don't have a, a sort of clear ranking of lawyers that explains to you why a lawyer will charge you, I don't know, $200 and the other one 2000 and the third one 20,000. I mean, these are the kind of range of prices that you can have on lawyers, and it is unclear to you as a, uh, as a non-specialist and a non-expert why these things, uh, why these discrepancies as in why, why, why. Uh, and so you use social networks, you, you use uh, collateral information, you use many other good epistemic strategies because, I mean, in the end, you have you, these are domains in which you want to have the best information. I mean, and uh, that uh, have to do um, with uh, the way in which you weight reputation. Right. So maybe we can, it would be good to talk at this point about one of the, the, the case studies uh, in the, one of the examples you use in the book, which is not one I was familiar with uh, beforehand. Um, so you talk about an academic who gets caught um, polluting, uh, I think it's Amazon, with negative reviews yeah. <laughs> of, of, his, of his academic enemies' books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, the, the, the interesting thing is that this guy was a very well-reputed academic. He didn't have any reputational problem, but in the end, he ended up uh, spoiling his reputation and ruining his reputation for his uh, 
passion for accumulating in the more and more reputation. She wanted, want, wanted to, he, he went, he spent his night on Amazon, uh, UK to write very bad reviews of his competitors, let's say the other academics who, who were writing on the same subject, and writing wonderful positive uh, reviews of his own books. <laughs> and this guy was a very good expert. He is, I mean, he's still around. I mean, and a very good expert of um, the Soviet Union. And he really didn't need it. So it was a sort of, a, I don't know, uh, a a bad move or something, uh, something that is interesting. I mean, in a sense, it's something that shows you that we are all um, victim of victims of this bad strategy. Sometimes, out of uh, inexperience, we don't know how to. We are not. We don't know exactly how to deal with this uh, <laughs> with, uh, with this strategy. I mean, that's. Uh, that's a very good example. I mean, and he didn't, when he was caught, I mean, and, and actually he ruined his reputation for this. Uh, um, he didn't even know why he did it. That was something that interested me. That's why I, I mentioned this example in the book. Because in a sense, this logic of uh, improving his social ego, ego or trying to um, uh, influence his social image was something done in a in, in a very emotional passionate way he he was there all the nights etc on the other one in a very naive way i mean yeah. without any strategy we have so many strategies about our sort of ourself and uh, uh, but we are much more naive about our social self we don't know we don't know how to deal with it Right. So, and one of the, I, I take it one of the, the interesting features of this, this particular case is that, um, you know, he did two things. One was he, he trashed the, the other academics yeah. work and wrote pseudonymous, you know, well, he anonymous, he pseudonymously trashed, uh, the, the other academics work working in his, his, his topic. And then also pseudonymously, uh, uh, wrote glowing reviews of all of his works. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a, yeah. a he wanted to <laughs> elevate his reputation in a way by at the same time um, uh, demoting the reputation of others. Yeah, but come on, Robert, we he's a sort of victim of our times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, this guy, we cannot mention him. I don't want to give names, but yeah. I mean, uh, he's a, he's a very famous guy. Uh, and and uh, this guy uh, uh was a the victim of a new way of circulating uh, information that is heavily based on reputations. Why do you, why do you read a book? Because you you have heard about it, it uh, on uh, the New York Review of Books or another um, another reputed journal. So all. Uh, uh, not only all the information you get about, uh, for example, a new intellectual uh, contribution comes from the reputation of this contribution. And that is something that we uh, that we know. This is the way in which uh, I was uh, I was uh, I was teaching on Monday and a student of mine just was reading a, a new book by a very good philosopher. And he asked me, uh, I mean, do you recommend this book i mean i'm not losing my time uh, <laughs> reading this book i mean just he 
wanted to be reassured that the the author was a, a reputed, well reputed author. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I mean, we spend time. I mean, in our probably in our youth, not now. We are always on internet and in youth in libraries, and you have you can have very good surprises. I mean, people who are not so well reputed, but you learn something. Um, and uh, but now, I mean, even the way in which research is made, in, in the way the 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 cultural uh, um, phenomena are created, are heavily based on reputation. I mean, it's very difficult not to go through the reputational um, um, sort of labels that uh, 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 even a cultural product or an academic product has. Uh, and be influenced by by this. I mean, and uh, and so uh, so in a sense, uh, um, he he's a sort of caricatural character because uh, he was fa- the, 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 the the caricatural aspect is that he was a famous guy, so he didn't need to do this. Right. I mean, and uh, uh, and on the other hand, he was victim of this uh, uh, of uh, this uh, new. Um, I wouldn't say importance, but at least salience of the reputational uh, of the reputational uh, dimension. This sort of uh, this sort of uh, um, rich uh, embeddedness of uh, information that that circulates because it is. In a reputational uh, flow, I remember uh, when I was young, I was studying uh, epistemology, and uh, I was uh, struck by a book by Fred Dretsky, mm-hmm. "Knowledge and the Flow of Information." Yes. And if I'm and now, I hope I'm not too old. To, I would like to write a book like "Knowledge and the Flow of Reputation." I mean, how the flow of reputation uh, contributes to create what is a knowledge phenomenon. You know, all this uh, collateral information that shouldn't be so uh, relevant. I mean, we have uh, this sort of uh, uh, idea of I mean, that, that you can pry apart. Uh, and disentangle what is just social information and collateral information and the true thing. I mean, and I start to think that these two, uh, these two dimensions are not so easy to disentangle. Sure, sure. So w- one of the um, uh, one of the ways that you you capture um, the the philosophical upshot of the. Um, pervasiveness and the the um, exaggerated role now that reputation plays in our in our lives, um, right down to sort of research and and uh, and everything else, uh, is a, um, a, a a kind of play on a Quinean uh, slogan. Uh, you say to be is to be comparable. Um, yeah. uh, can you tell us a little bit uh, about what what you mean by that? Well, that's uh, for me a quite central, uh, well, say ontological claim uh, in the book. I mean, the book is uh, is very eclectic, as you have may, may have 
uh, seen. I mean, I go through uh, very different uh, disciplines and domains, uh, and still I I, I consider it uh, and as, as a philosophical book because I have some sort of basic um, ontological uh, uh, and epistemological claims. And one is the one that you're mentioning about uh, homo comparativus, I mean, um, uh, um, a being that uh, uh, exists only within the comparison, uh, w- within the space of social comparison. And uh, uh, yeah, what does it uh, what does it mean? I mean, uh, I make a very um, general claim about this. I mean that things, ideas, uh, items, uh, other people, um, um, can be um, uh, understood. Uh, and evaluated by us only through comparison. I mean, if I cannot, uh, if I don't have a background, it's very difficult for me to um, to, to evaluate, uh, for example, a new a new claim in science or, or uh, a new theory, or even the value of a person in a, or even a value of a work of art. This is a, a comparative uh, arena that is uh, uh, typically comparative is art. I mean, which I mean, uh, what does it mean a work of art today if it is not uh, in comparison with other works of art, uh, etc. So this is a, a, a deep cognitive. Uh, um, uh, way that we have to read uh, reality. We need a background, and the background is reputation. What what I say is reputation is a sort of social information that is the background that uh, allows us to read uh, the salience and the value of a certain phenomenon. Without this background, without this sort of collateral information, it is very difficult to give uh, a sort of objective value of, of a phenomenon. And this is very difficult it's it's delicate when you go when you when you when you insert this kind of considerations in the domain of knowledge in which we would like to have a more uh, individualistic objective and autonomous conception on what we really know i mean so in a sense i'm challenging uh, without being a, a, a relativist, I'm challenging a sort of mainstream I- image uh, of knowledge as something that can be evaluated without this comparative uh, comparative background. I mean, we need uh, a background. We need a uh, we need this sort of uh, um, game between. Uh, others and ourselves in order to define ourselves and also to define and evaluate what matters to us. And, and this is something that uh, for me is very, it's very profound and, uh, and uh, gives a, a also a different view, view of what is the subject um, behind all this, who is who is this subject who who strives for knowledge and for and for um, realizing uh, herself, uh, etc. Who is it? It's a, it's a sort of a complex character who who is always in 
exteriorizing and internalizing what uh, other people have said about him or her and and, uh, and it is within this social dialectic that uh, who we really are and what we really know emerges. Well, Gloria, you've been very generous with your time, and um, I wanted to uh, to round off the interview. Uh, you've written a, a fascinating book on reputation, and um, uh, I want to congratulate you too in that. I think that you've made a, a solid case uh, for thinking that um, the next move in uh, epistemology, which has already sort of taken up the uh, largely taken up the idea that uh, that you know knowing is a social enterprise and that social phenomena yeah. have to yeah. be, but reputation you, you know it, 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 you've made a solid case for thinking that reputation has to be part of the um, conceptual toolkit of the social yeah. epistemologist. So that, that's that's fabulous. Um, what's the next project? What do, <laughs> what will you do next? Actually, I think that the book had two main. Um, sort of uh, questions that I try to answer in a very scattered and uh, maybe eclectic way. One was, is reputation a sort of rational strategy for action? And is reputation a rational justification for coming to know? That were the two those were the two uh, main questions that the and, uh, that the book uh, tries to address and i think that the projects in which i'm imo- involved now are uh, trying to answer to these two different uh, questions one is a, a big project i was involved uh, after the, writing this book is a um, a dictionary and this is something that is very french you know the french <laughs> love encyclopedies encyclopedias and dictionaries because of the Diderot d'Alembert so we have a long tradition of this and this is a so it is a genre which is very French <laughs> and it is a dictionary on social passions oh. so, I mean <clears throat> what interests me now is to understand what are all the <clears throat> kinds the, the possible motivations to action that go far beyond self-interest, which was a sort of the the mainstream um, um, character of uh, social sciences for a long time, at least for the last uh, 250 years in many social sciences. So there are many other things that motivate us that can be, and and we we have seen it. I mean, you were mentioning uh, political uh, arenas, etc., but uh, pride, shame, uh, reputation, uh, considerations of, uh, uh, of how we are seen by other people uh, and uh, resentment, etc., are other uh, uh, kinds of, of uh, uh, are other, other, let's say, motivators of our social action. And I think that, uh, uh, so this is, this is the part of my work that goes with uh, uh, the sort of the social ego hypothesis. There are so many other, <clears throat> let's say, motivations that uh, uh, can explain uh, social action, actions that we probably neglected in a certain paradigms, 
of social sciences, economics and social sciences, psychological sciences and behavioral sciences, and uh, that can be useful today in order to understand how people respond to certain social events like elections, etc. We had elections in Italy two days ago, etc., in this uh, apparently irrational way. Secondly, I go on, I pursue my epistemological project and uh, um, and you mentioned this comparative dimension, the homo comparativos, and I, will try, I was trying during this interview to uh, make the case of uh, the, <coughs> let's say, the imp- importance of uh, uh, this reputational flow in order to make knowledge go through. And uh, I go on with this, and I'm more on the notion on status today, and I think that the hierarchy of knowledge the ranking of knowledge, the status of different knowledge, uh, of different forms of knowledge, influences a lot the way in which they circulate. Mm. And in a world like us that uh, is opening and globalizing, I think that this, um, uh, I mean, the status of knowledge uh, and the status of different uh, forms of uh, uh, of uh, of uh, uh, knowledge achievement influence uh, a lot the way in which knowledge is uh, in the end accepted by by individuals. So I go on with uh, uh, trying to, in a sense, enrich uh, this reputational flow with uh, considerations about the status of knowledge and the hierarchies of uh, disciplines and the hierarchies of of, uh, uh, information and how this uh, perception, strong perception of these hierarchies uh, influence the way in which we come to believe. In the end, what I'm interested in is, is what we really what we can really believe and uh, in um, and what are the social uh, let's say the the which is the institutional and social setting that make us believe things that are useful to us i mean at the time so i go on also i pursue the project in two directions one is more moral and um, sociological um, what are the values that, and and the passions and the and uh, and the symbolic also passions that motivate our actions and on the other hand what uh, uh, in in which way the 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 different status and the different rankings of different information and knowledge uh, impact our way of uh, uh, well uh, a way of uh, making a sort of a meaningful picture of the world well uh, Gloria both of those uh, projects all sound very interesting and I'll keep an eye out for them um, for now though I want to thank you for your time thanks a lot Robert Uh, and thank you listeners for joining us uh, on the podcast for our discussion of Gloria Origi's new book it's titled Reputation What It Is and Why It Matters the book is published uh, by Princeton University Press Uh, thanks for listening and bye for now thank you